Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, I'm sure you're probably doing good. You're never doing bad, but I have to ask, how's your week been so far? It's been hectic, but what's really fascinating to me is because AES is very generous with holidays and that sort of thing, mm. this is my first five-day week of the year. So <laughs> nice, yeah. I'm exhausted. No, I mean, we, <laughs> I've been working hard, you know, working late and we, we've been putting in a lot of time, but it's it's good to be busy, especially at the start of the year. Everybody's charged up. Mm-hmm. So I'm just excited about 2021 and what I think we're going to get done. As am I. And, you know, it's funny because folks will ask, and I had a gentleman on LinkedIn and reach out and say, oh, you know, hopefully 2021's okay. And are you back at work? Like, you know, it was almost like we'd gone through, now granted, a lot of people have, but I'm extremely grateful because everyone that I talk to is most companies are still trying to figure out how to climb out of the ditch. And I mean, we just continue to pack on more muscle. There's some things internally that we've been able to accomplish probably a lot sooner than many. And so, yeah, I'm just, I couldn't be more excited and to, to see what this year brings. And, you know, although the rig count might or likely won't hit a thousand in the U S will be probably a fraction of that. We're going to have a good portion of it. And so, you know, again, we're just a lot to look forward to and, continue to pump out good content and continue to educate folks on drilling fluids. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So, you know, talking about how, you know, well we've been doing and stuff like that is I'm sure a lot of folks out there have heard of, you know, KPIs and Matt, I thought this would be a good one to bring up, you know, because whether we know it or not, we're always collecting data that can be an indicator of how well we're performing. And if it organized correctly can paint a really solid picture on how well we're doing, you know, depending on certain performance metrics. And if that kind of all sounds a little bit jimble jamble, we're going to break it down because even as a, as a mud engineer, at the end of the day, what a, a client or, or an operator looks at really is a function of what happens at the rig. You know, I mean, because we live and die by cutting sacks at the hopper, but there's so much that goes into that, that, you know, gets collected. And now, especially with Things like uh, you know big data and analytics platforms, our ability to collect this data and and really show whether it's internally or externally how well we're performing. It's just it's important to see how well the business is doing. So anyway, key performance indicators, Matt. I kind of described it, but but in your words, what are they and why are they important for our business? Well, I, I mean, I guess the best way I'd characterize is they're they're benchmarks for performance. I think the trick with that is that there's questions about how well we decide what those benchmarks are. I mean, I think AES, you know, we we have ones we definitely recommend and we evaluate ourselves on that we might not even present to a customer. Just are we getting better? All those kinds of things. And then there's ones that the customer says, this is how I see the value you bring. And but uh, you know, a lot of them center around cost, right? You know, keep your keep your mud bill cheap. But of course, it could be that a little more spend here saves a few days. How do you capture that? How do you get credit for that? And so a lot of times, some of these things can be technical. 
some of these things, many times they center around days, cost, something that can be assigned a dollar, which ultimately they all kind of need to be. But, you know, it could be product consumption per interval. It could be cost per foot. Uh, one that used to be kind of a big metric was days per 10K, right? A customer that tracks that and it's, yeah, anyway. I mean, it's it's a legacy thing, right? Like that was really big. If you look at old, you know, depth curves and that sort of thing, that's that's one of the drivers that they would chart out. Even something as, as detailed as like dilution rates or losses, anything that, that drives cost, obviously. And, you know, to your point, as we generate more data or we record more data, there may be more things that sort of come out of the woodwork that we say, hey, this, this might actually be a pretty decent metric, or it's just easy to capture this now. So let's do all five instead of saying we only have time to do two or three. But, you know, when we talk about KPIs, I think, I think the important thing is to remember that the stakeholders have to buy in and, and agree to them. So you could, if you're, if you agree that you need to evaluate yourself, that's one thing, but trying to convince somebody else that you're doing a good job based upon a metric that only you believe in, that KPI is probably not going to work and it's not going to be relevant. So you have to prove that they add value somehow. Mm-hmm. Many times it's pretty obvious though. Yeah. And I think now even more so than, than ever is, is the, the quality of data and, and how much that data gets spread across so much more than just a mud report that gets emailed in every day. So Matt, can you highlight how a mud engineer or what the mud engineer is doing and how that contributes to KPIs and really the impact that they, what, what they do every day, what that does for us? Well, I mean, you know, we live or die by what the mud engineer in the field's doing, right? It's one of those where you never want to forget everything that they do. And some of it is, but there's so much there. You and I know what it's like that a lot of people think. And when we talked about automation, you know, people think a mud engineer just runs a mud check twice a day or whatever. And we know there's so much more to it that you can't write down. When you look at, at automation, for example, a lot of the reasons directional is so ripe for it is it's all sensors and weight and, and different things you can only control from surface and you, you know, you're getting feedback that you, you already had. But a mud engineer is doing so many different things and they're capturing a lot of data that goes far beyond just mud properties. But one of the tricks is in a lot of the reporting systems, there's a lot of boxes that even five years ago if you didn't know what it was, you could avoid it or you could kind of fudge it and get your mud report out and everything could get out the door. And ultimately what you would find is you never had a problem and nobody ever knew. And then data analytics came along. And I think Justin's kind of smirking right now because he knows once we started actually being able to see what was being written down, we quickly discovered that there was a lot of missing information. There was information that needed cleaned up and it was at our fingertips now. And so when we wanted to give customers access to the KPI tracking that we were doing, all of a sudden we had to go look back and clean up old well files. And so the big thing is at the very first outset, make sure that data is good quality. And it's not just the mud report. I think we all know that, look, the the day-to-day fixation is you know, I pull up my phone to look at the mud report. Is everything in spec or is, you know, is the drilling engineer going to be upset with me today? What are we doing to fix it? But, you know, that's the fixation, but there's a lot of other things, you know, volume accounting. Some of these other things that day to day now is very apparent. 
that before you could kind of clean it up before the end of the well, you've got more, more detailed questions to answer. So every box, make sure you have commentary or extra information. So it puts a lot more pressure on the mud engineer with respect to their paperwork as if there wasn't enough to go around. Right. Yeah. No kidding. And it's, and again, it, a lot of it too is, is like I said, being, being proactive is obviously something that we always preach, but when you look at KPIs, it's almost like you can s- sort of foresee things coming. And so it, it, it kind of also gives you the ability to look around the corner, you know, just looking at different trends and, Cause you know, you, you could go, if you look at just single well by well and say, oh yeah, this well went good. Oh, this well went pretty good. And oh, this well was a little better. And oh, this one wasn't so good. But in time you can really start to see different trends. And I always say, and this is a very common saying is, is you can't improve what you don't measure. And so the more you measure and the more accurate it is, you can really improve on. And, you know, again, it's, it's just driving to perform and, and really just beating the status quo every, you know, every well, if you can. You, you just reminded me of something actually too, is one of the things is filling out all those boxes, you know, being as good as you can and, and especially, you know, trying to interpret over time some trends. One thing I think a mud engineer might not be aware of is some of the benchmarks, the new KPIs we're coming up with are mathematical interpretations of some of these boxes that you're, you're filling in where you don't know why. And, you know, I, my goal, at least, at least with our AES mud engineers, and, and I know Chris, our engineering manager, is is committed to this to his idea. I'll be honest with you. Don't give he'll, him credit. Don't give him credit. To this episode, if if I don't give him credit, so <laughs> I look forward to whatever you respond hearing this now, Chris. Uh, but that being said, <laughs> we'll make a mathematical interpretation of a box that seems completely irrelevant, and you know, tie all this stuff together. And so you may think, oh, that box isn't important, and it's like, no, actually, it could make a a fairly significant difference. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to trending and trying to use what limited information you have to learn things about the past to look forward to the future. Right. Yeah. So that was a, that's a good point. Yeah, no. And, and something else that, and this is an idea that I brought up is, is it's one thing to be able to track one rig and how well it does over time. But you know, as well as I do, as soon as oil jumps $4, everyone wants to start throwing rigs at the board. Well, what's the biggest challenge with scaling up is, being consistent. And so KPIs really offer the ability to see how well you're performing, assuming the rigs are in the same area, drilling relatively the same wells is, you know, how, how the cost distribution across each rig, is it staying consistent? And, you know, if, if one rig's kind of standing out, well, this rig has, the three rigs are doing this, but for some reason we look at this KPI and the other one's not. And, you know, again, if you're just looking at it by well by well, it, it may not stand out, but it really gives you the ability to just look at everything holistically to say, okay, like why, why is one thing happening here and not happening there? So as you scale up, that's one thing. And and I've been part of programs. I've gone to one to three to four up to six rigs. I haven't, you know, had a operator scale up more than that, that I've been a part of, but I mean, you look at operators uh, that have 20, 30 rigs and maybe, maybe not now, but there was a time when, you know, you would scale up that. Yeah. And so like, I mean, we, I had a client that went from two to four. And so, you know, it's one thing to just add one rig, but then adding two rigs, you know, that's four new mud engineers and that's however many new rig hands and however many new directional hands. So you could easily fall off the tracks and say, well, you know, our average wells uh, or, you know, days on well and cost per foot is this. And then you, you add two more rigs. Well, 
the operator, especially in this environment, wants to be consistent. So uh, again, it's the more you can look at and the more you can really analyze to, to pick out why you may not be doing things the same across the board is just, I just find that extremely valuable if you have the ability to do that. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I remember uh, when I was in Azerbaijan, it was, if, if you drilled, I may be getting this opposite, but like if you drilled a North flank, well, they were pretty easy going, whatever you drilled a South flank. Well, they were miserable. There were all kinds of well worn stability issues and all these other problems. And, you know, it's from a platform. So it's just one direction is horrible and one direction is great. Hmm. Well, a competitor came in and drilled a north flank well right after we drilled a south flank well and put out all these, you know, performance about how they fixed everything. And it was one of those, right, like get a larger sample set and you'll join us soon. (laughs) Um, But uh, remembering what target formation you had, you know, is it a Bone Springs or a Wolf Camp A? Is it you know, and, and I, you've, you've brought this up in the past and it's certainly true. Uh, is it the first or last well on the pad? You know, a lot of times you don't know what you're going to drill into and that's a, a pretty big deal. Yeah, no, it is. And actually talking about different benches, it's cause you may have one rig that's drilling a bunch of them. Then you, you might have one rig that's dedicated to say bone springs and avalons. And you have one rig that's drilling a bunch of them. And so if you can kind of rearrange the data to show, okay, you know, cause a lot of times you'll, you'll look at rig by rig, but it's also important to look at, okay, well, bench by bench. And so again, the ability to, to monitor that and look at it is something that if you can, it just gives you answers and it gives you a better idea as to how, how well you're doing and, and really just indication of, of your, your performance. So, yeah. And I mean, tying into that, so we talked about KPIs, a lot of many operators require a KPI meeting, right? So once a quarter, once a year, whatever, you're going to use the, the office folks, the account manager will sit down with the drilling engineer and some of the drilling team and kind of review how everybody's doing relative to these benchmarks. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the important things is make sure that you can recall where you were and what you were doing when you review that data, just because they're, you know, you have a really tough well and, everybody knows it was a tough well and maybe it was let's throw rocks. We'll say it was bad directional work. Okay. It certainly (laughs) wasn't a mud problem. Right. And everybody forgot that. And what they see is a really high mud bill and, you know, being ready to say, well, we sidetracked three times and to be clear, it wasn't the mud's fault. (laughs) Uh, You know, so just making sure you have those answers as you build everything together, goes back to the mud engineer in the field, you know, documenting as best they can what happened and why. And it's something I think you quickly, what you're thinking about today's mud report when you write your comments. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps to have five years from now in mind when you write that, you know, could somebody flipping through this realize that my comment is saying this? So I don't know, you know, there's, there's a lot of different pieces to it. And the one thing is we're discovering I don't know if discovering is the right word, but we are developing and have access to way more benchmarks and it doesn't take much work because of, uh, I mean, you hear us brag about AES analytics, our data analytics platform. We can see a lot of things that we used to, someone would say, Hey, I wonder, you know, what's our Bayright consumption like on this rig versus this one. Yeah. And before you would manually go through all the reports or look at the recaps and try and make sense of that, 
And now I can pull it up on my phone and check two boxes and have that answer. So it's really not a big deal to try a lot of different benchmarks that you may not, you may not consider. And with that comes opportunities to provide more robust KPIs, track different things more effectively and track a lot of things. But almost every single one of those things starts with the manager in the field and how they capture that data. And so, you know, our standing with the customer depends heavily on us being able to communicate that effectively. Yeah. No, and just the evolution of what we've been able to do, you know, as an industry, I mean, an AES, obviously we have, but again, what we can capture the ability to make data-driven decisions instead of just through experience. And I think a combination of both is, is the holy grail experience plus data. But uh, yeah, it, it's neat to see. And I just, I always kind of take a step back and look at it from a time perspective. And it's like five years ago, when I was doing KPIs for our clients, I was, like you said, manually going through we may have had an Excel workbook that had a macro that I could pull the wells, but then having to go through it. And that was five years ago. And then and I know there's probably companies out there like, wow, you weren't doing that five years ago. We were, but I mean, where we're at now, I think is would blow the socks off a lot of folks. But at the end of the day, in five years from now, I mean, I just, it's, it's mind blowing to, to see the potential. And because if we're at the tip of an iceberg, especially in oil and gas, you know, the fact that we are late to the game on a lot of this type of stuff, but uh, it's just, it's exciting. And that's another reason why I'm excited for this year is just because we've got the resources, we've got the, you know, platforms built, we're adding resources to be able to make them even better. And it's just fascinating yeah. to see where we're going to be. So, uh, you know, a- again, not to sh- continue a shameless plug, but just as, Oh no, industry. keep going, man. I'm excited. Like that, yeah. that's the funny thing is once you start learning how to use these tools, you're like, I can't wait to show you what's next. Like there's stuff right now that mark this podcast. There are going to be some things at the end of the year that we're going to be really excited to be able to share as it comes to how we're utilizing data, how we've introduced automation and we've got the pieces in place and we've always had the support from Baxter and, and up to do this. And so I'm really excited. We're almost through January, which makes me, you know, anxious. Like I want to get this stuff done and we're almost burning through a month. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, man, I'm, yeah, I think that you're going to see all kinds of, of new and creative ways to utilize data. But once again, we have to capture it. Yes. Whether that's through new sensor acquisition or whether that's through Mud Engineer, just offering us a little more detail, it's going to make us way more effective. And then we all get to keep our jobs. That's right. That's the name of the game. Well, with that said, Matt, I don't have any closing last words. This was a good episode. It wasn't obviously on the technical side, but just something that as a business, it's something that's so important and every single person plays a part. And so uh, again, appreciate it. All the mud engineers, as always, the hard work is always recognized. Matt, any closing last words? I mean, I think the only thing I would add is we didn't go into a ton of specific mud properties, right? And I think there's a reason oh, good for that. Point. Well, you know, yeah. sometimes people are interested in low gravity solids or, you know, those kinds of things, but most of the cost is driven by what it takes to get you there. Mm. So the mud properties aren't maybe explicitly benchmarks, but obviously keeping your mud in check is exactly what has fewer days, lower product consumption, that sort of thing. Yep. No, that's a great point. Being able to track that over time really can also help make decisions and see what's happening. You know, 
if your low gravity solids over, you know, three wells doesn't change much, but then you look at it over 20 wells, you really can see, wow, how is this system performing and, and where is it? Is it tired? Is it, why is it going in one direction versus the other? And, you know, oh, wow, I saw it trended up and then it trended down. Well, why? Oh, that's it. That's right. We changed a centrifuge out that well. So actually case in point, we had a KPI recently with a customer and it was, you could see the low gravity went up and then went down. And then, you know, fortunately one of our account managers who's dialed in, he had a comment in there. He said, yeah, you'll notice here we had, we saw this issue coming and uh, we got with the solids control company and we changed this out and now we're trending down. But if you were to just look at it well by well, you wouldn't have seen that story told. And so a uh, great point, Matt, about the, the property stuff. I completely forgot. So, yeah, well, that's all I got, but uh, <laughs> awesome. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We certainly enjoy doing this and certainly love hearing from y'all. So yeah. reach out. Yeah. Keep up with the uh, engagement. Hit us up at the flow line at asfluids.com or you can hit us up on LinkedIn. If you have any good stories or a KPI that went sideways, because there's always those horror story KPI meetings and we all chuckle, you know, hopefully, you know, <laughs> down the road. But uh, yeah, if you have any comments, anything, please reach out and we'd be happy to chat. With that said, everybody have a good one. Be safe and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.